This week on Phone Calls with Clever People, we're talking all about trust. My friend and today's guest, Rowan Dredge, told me recently that being trustable is the thing that makes you followable. I thought it'd be great to give him a call, find out what that means to build and keep trust, and then what we can do to regain it if we lose it. Hi everyone and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author and mentor from Melbourne, Australia and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. Today's guest is Rowan Dredge. Now, I've known Rowan for about 10 years now, and he's absolutely masterful in his ability to help leaders navigate that complex journey from technical expert to people leadership. Rowan, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Hello, mate. Thanks for having me. I'm really thrilled to be part of this conversation, to be first and uh, joining this uh, this adventure with you. Well done. Rowan, can we kick off with some fast facts about you? Three questions for you. Number one, where'd you grow up? Number two, what was your first job? And then number three, what are you doing now? Very good questions. I grew up, I was actually born in Victoria and I lived there till I was nine and a half. Devastated to be moved to New South Wales by my family because uh, going into year four, I didn't think I'd have any friends. And uh, that was the biggest issue for me in my world. Um, we moved to Castle Hill in the northwestern suburbs of Sydney. That was pretty much the end of Sydney in the 80s. And uh, I spent um, all of my uh, primary school, high school and university life there and then took myself off to the southern suburbs of Sydney and now I live back in Melbourne. So grew up in Castle Hill, really, consider myself in mind and body a New South Welshman. I, um, my first job was uh, I was a paper boy and uh, I was delivering the newspapers uh, in early high school and very quickly uh, graduated to be a chemist delivery boy as well to the shop next door because you got paid more. And so uh, this was back in the day when you'd get cash from people in retirement villages and then take it back to the uh, take it back to the shop. It was an amazing experience. Um, right now, I'm a leadership consultant. Uh, I really help uh, people teams and organisations align their ability to develop uh, leadership potential, uh, leadership cultures, communication, and especially focused on helping people who are excellent at their job become outstanding at leadership. Because I think what most people don't acknowledge is that they are actually different jobs. Doing your job and being an effective leader are actually two different responsibilities. So that's what I spend my life doing and I love it. Right. I wanted to get started on this conversation about being trustable. I think it's important to start the conversation by understanding and having the same point of reference around what trust is. We obviously mm -hmm. know trust isn't just important. It's, it's essential in leadership. Uh, but what's your frame of reference? Where are you coming from in this conversation around trust? First of all, it's a, it's a, it's a universal uh, question that people are asking. Like, okay, so what's trust and 
and how do you know you've got it and what is it in leadership and on one level it sort of feels very very subjective you know because it's it's often almost directly related to uh people's um uh perspective of 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 you on another it's um actually got some sense of science and psychology attached to it but my favorite uh definition of trust came from uh patrick lencioni now before i say that this actually sits in a bigger idea around what the future of leadership is and so i've been musing around like what what's the leader of the future need to look like and the answer is uh it's not one thing it's uh it's a relationship of things and so i'm proposing that the future of leadership is actually the the relationship between being trustable, being adaptable, and being promotable. And uh, I've got some writing uh, going to be coming out over the next 18 months or so on each of those three topics. But the first one is trustable because if you don't have it, Seth Godin said, earn trust, earn trust, earn trust, and you can worry about the rest. Mm. Um, And there's lots of great stuff on it. My favourite definition if I was to just dive straight in, my favourite definition is Patrick Lencioni's definition of trust, where in essence, and I'll paraphrase it a little bit, but in essence, he says, trust is the belief or the confidence among team members that their that their peers' intentions are good. And I've loved that definition for 20 years. Mm. And... Um, it's 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 fantastic because because and I think he makes it magical because he talks about the idea of intention. And intention is where are you coming from? If you're coming from a place that is is has got good motives or good intent, then that actually makes it easier to believe what's going on around you. The more I've considered that this though, I think we've got to just take a, a slightly wider view of what that of what that is. So if, if it's just the intentions, but the person that you're working with or working for or engaging with uh, consistently misses deadlines on projects or doesn't do what they say they're going to do, or um, at some point in time undermines you or your own uh, responsibilities or leadership, or doesn't isn't playing team. Like what is it? Is it just intentions? Are they enough? And my conclusion uh, so far in my writing was that that it's not enough. And mm. so, you know, for people listening to us, I want you to imagine a, a Venn diagram. We we, are, we lean into the stuff uh, with our thought leaders community. But I want you to imagine a, ve- a Venn diagram. And I my definition of trust is this. Trust is the consistent alignment of intention, behavior, and message. Trust is the consistent alignment of intention, behavior, and message. And if you imagine the bottom Venn is intention, this is where am I coming from or who I am. And then the top two, you've got behavior on one side and message on the other. My motive, my actions, and my communication have to be consistently aligned for me to be able to be a leader that is trustable. Mm. And I say trustable, Shane, because I actually think the responsibility of being a trustworthy person starts with the individual. And so I'm not saying you can't demand trust, you can't expect it, you can't buy it, but you can be trustable and people lean into that. So by Mm. way of introduction, that would be my that would be my sort of first 
series of thoughts. It's a really nice definition. I think one of the key words that stood out for me that is that in the setup to that definition, it is the consistent application of all three of those things. Um, it's not something that can kind of happen in a moment or be a one-off situation. It's the consistent intersection of all three of those things you talk about. So can I recap them? So it's in, intent, it's behavior, and it's message. Are those the three kind of uh, things that sit within that then? Yeah, that's right. So I've said it's the consistent alignment of intent, behavior, and message. So you know where I'm coming from, what I do, and what I say. Mm. Because as I look at it, they're the three areas where trust comes off the boil. They're the three areas where if if we were going to experience a break in trust or any sense of distrust or something we'd need to repair, it would be someone questions where I'm coming from. Yep. I do something that breaks trust or my words and my actions are not aligned with each other. And so people go, yeah, but we don't believe you. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And so obviously one of the, the things that I did is I put it out to my network and I asked people to give us some Kickstarter questions around this, which is when you think about the idea of trust, what are some of the questions that we should be asking or having right now? And obviously one of the, the big questions that's, that kind of kickstarted us and got us off was people wanted to know how do you build trust and what does it look like to be trustable in real life? Like what's the yeah. process of that? Obviously there's the consistency process. Um, there's the a great Harvard business review article talks about the high cost of lost trust. And it was kind of consistent with this idea that um, the label of hypocrite tends to be a lot stickier than its opposite in the sense that um, you can spend a lifetime making good decisions um, and it takes a lot to build trust, but you can make one decision to be caught out as a liar and the label of hypocrite sticks really quickly. And so what's the process look like to build trust and what does it look like to be trustable in real life? Yeah, it's and that is an excellent thing to be reflecting on. And so I start by saying it this way, and you're absolutely right. Um, some things in life and leadership are obvious by their absence. Mm. So when they are not there, we feel like they are more important or they're more part of what the fabric of uh, what our team should be or what we stand for. And when you're talking about that, you know, it's much easier to almost define trust or much easier to point to a trustable leader by someone who is not or by someone who has violated a standard or a value or an accepted norm in some way. Mm. So I, I describe it uh, I describe it this way. Um, I say that it, when it's ob obvious by its absence, it's a little bit like when you've dived under the waves or you've been pummeled by the surf here in Australia and you're down on the, the bottom getting rolled around and you start to swim towards the top and you realize you've got enough air till about a meter before the surface. Mm. And and then all of a sudden, what you start to experience is that burning in your lungs and you go, you're swimming as fast as you can because you've all of a sudden moved into that zone where you've noticed that something is obvious by its absence and you desperately, desperately need it. So the first thing I'll say is that a trust environment is probably most obvious in a low trust environment, mm. it's most obvious where it's being broken or violated or disregarded or ignored or essentially word on the street is everybody knows that whatever comes out of that person's mouth is not what's going to be happening in, quote, unquote, real life. And so uh, with, with that in mind, 
I actually come back to those three steps. And what I would be what I would be doing to specifically answer the question, like how do you build trust? You are consistently aligned yep. with your intent, so where you're coming from, with your behavior, what you do, and with your messaging, your communication, what you say. And over time, almost, almost unconsciously, People hand over a sense of confidence and a sense of trust and a sense of well-being. And they, I am safe with you now because you are a, a known quantity and you are, I can predict how you will be in these environments and these circumstances because I've had exposure and experience to you so mm, that's really really valuable rowan i mean one of the things that i think came through in that conversation there rowan is is the the alignment between all three of those things kind of all need to be in place simultaneously because if you find that one of those things is missing uh you're probably going to sense that um create that sense of dissonance between so if i'm if i'm coming if my message seems right and my behavior seems right but the intent's not right it's probably not going to um create that sense of consistency you know we've both got a, a mutual friend um georgia merch and she has a great saying that people will hear your content but they smell your intent and mm. it's one of those things where, again, we could be almost 80% or 90% of the way there, but miss one of these ingredients. And that can really, could that impact on how people, on how trustable we are to the people around us? Almost certainly. And I think this is the uh, fragility of trust. And this is the issue that I think will stay with us. There are issues in life and leadership that I believe will never go away. And this is why I think people like you and I and all our colleagues um, have jobs because people issues uh, never go away. They adjust and they change and they adapt to the environment we're, we're in. But one of the hardest things about trust is that you cannot force another person to give it to you. Mm. Trust has to be extended and it has to be extended in a two-way direction. Craig Groeschelis, he said, trust is extended, not earned, which is so interesting. And I love the I love the counterintuition of that because if you're walking into a new environment, walk into a new environment and extend trust to your people to the extent that they uh, demonstrate their ability to handle it or their ability to carry it or their ability to strengthen and deepen it. And it works both ways. And I think that is a risk. I think that's a, a, a very big risk. But the alternative, I think, is riskier. Mm. If you walk into an environment and you take a low trust approach or you take a, a, a slow trust approach, then I think that will create uh, even more challenges in the subtext or in the subculture of your organization. What it looks like in real life, and again, this is what's um, counterintuitive about trust. What it looks like in real life, I believe, is what you do when it goes off track. Mm. When, when something's on track, it's so fascinating that you don't actually think about it it's not as present as you thought it would be. In the book, I tell a story of growing up in Sydney where my family would holiday. Uh, we would holiday on the northern beaches of Sydney, and I'm one of five kids, and we would walk to the point at Monavale Beach where we called it the blowhole. I don't even know what the real name is, but when you're 10 or 11 years old and you create you're your own nicknames. Your... <clears throat> exactly, exactly. And they, they work for us. But, you know, five kids, mum and dad, we'd walk across the rocks and 
I, I told my dad that I was including this story as part of the introduction because, and he was pretty proud of it. But what would dad would do is dad would dive off the rocks at Mona Vale Beach on a, on a, they were called boogie boards in the eighties. We know that they've been upgraded to body boards now, but he would dive off the rocks with each of the children on his back, one at a time, swim out through the open sea, come in through the blowhole and then use the waves to lift us up back up onto the rocks and all the siblings would be there lending a hand and mum would be standing there holding my baby sister. And I don't have one single memory of being worried, mm. not one, not, not, not one moment thinking something was going to go wrong because I had such incredible trust in who I was hanging on to, in who I was depending on, in who I was leaning into and onto. And I think what would happen is if I didn't have that trust, I would be much more aware of it. And so, you know, I think trust gets built by that consistent alignment between intention, behavior and messaging, but then it gets built even further by handling it when it goes wrong, when you actually become aware mm. of that sense of, oh, I don't know if I want to get behind this person. That, that might not be what what the best thing for the organisation or my team or me is all about. And they, they were like this last time. Will they be like that next time? How how will it work? And when you start to question it, that's when you know you've got challenges. Yeah, like what you were saying before, it becomes obvious by its absence. And so, I mean, that's a, a really great segue into kind of the next question that was – that came, this one came in from Judith, which was talking about like what do you do um, when you break trust or just – um, being trustable mean that you never get it wrong. I mean, obviously, we're leaders. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to um, potentially there might be something that's out of alignment between our intent, our message, or our behaviour. Does does being trustable mean you never get it wrong? Well, it's a great question, Judith, and the short answer is no. And it's important that we are actually intentional as leaders about having an environment that actually allows favor, uh, failure sorry, and allows mistakes and allows people to get it wrong. Um, my wife, Megan, and I, we have two kids. Uh, Zariah is our oldest and Maddox is our, our second one. And we have a definition for an accident in our family. So we try and uh, we try and parent our kids through principles so that they know they can come back to it when they're older. And our definition of an accident is this, when something bad happens, but your heart is still good. Mm. And so when when something happens, I'm able to look at one of the kids and say, look, did something bad happen? And they're crying and carrying on, but she took this and I can't watch Bluey and all these various other things that are going on in their their, their worlds right now. And I said, but is your heart still good? And they look at me and they say, yes, daddy. And I go, so that's where we come from. But what I notice, Shane, is not enough of those conversations are taking place in the workplace. Mm. We, we, we actually almost have, and I mean, I know it's ironic that we're on a, a, a social media platform in a sense, but social media actually serves to make this harder because we, we have this culture where we go, I'm going to call you out on that. Mm. And I actually think calling out is a secondary discipline. Um, I think calling out, my personal view is, it's a private uh, discipline. Uh, I think calling up is more important than calling out. And I learned that from Steve Cochran. So Judith, the answer is no. In fact, you will likely get it wrong. The, the important thing is, 
Have you had a conversation with your team about what you do when you get it wrong? What do you do to get back to, did you go wrong in messaging? Did you go wrong in behavior? Or did you go wrong because we didn't, we weren't clear about each other's intent? Mm. Now, when you're a leader and you simply flat out make a mistake, if you don't own it, it is unlikely that you will recover the level of trust that is expe- that you're expecting to have from the people that follow you. Mm. If you don't own it, if you don't acknowledge it, and the rule of thumb there is own it and acknowledge it in the same environment that it occurred. Mm. That's a really interesting insight because the, there's a couple of thoughts from um, Stephen Martin and he talks about there's three responses to getting it wrong. Number one is we deny it. Uh, number two is we scapegoat it or number three is we apologize for it and different levels of ownership and you can deny it, uh, but it, the fall from grace is much higher if you deny it and you get and you're caught out in the responsibility um, and you have to take responsibility for that. You could scapegoat it, which you could blame or, and it tends to never make you look better. Uh, but being able to accept and own and apologize for the for the decisions. But I like what you added there was just like making sure that the environment in which you own up and take responsibility for the actions uh, is in the same environment in which the decision was played out. Well, again, I think that's actually an issue of corporate trust. So for example, if I break trust in my key team, resolve trust in my key team. And so I I think we're clear now in the sense that, you know, trust isn't actually about perfection. Trust is actually about authenticity. Mm. But authenticity demands that I look you in the eye and say, hey, buddy, I let you down and I'm really sorry. Can we go back? And this is another, I think, key to this. My friend Taki Moore says, where did this go off track? Mm. So if if you want to actually come back and say, well, I messed that up. Where did this go off track? And um, when we can get back to that point, we can actually work on trust being restored. And I completely agree with you. If we deny it, people just stand there and nod. Generally speaking, you know, there's a, there's sort of a, people are just arms folded, sort of looking at you nodding, but in their minds, they're going, Mm. we know we, 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 we just, we're done. We can't, we can't follow that anymore. Yeah. Scapegoating is an, and when we see and we see world leaders scapegoating different people at different levels, and it's just, it's just dirty. It's yep. just unclean. It's unclean, and it's not not. It's not what the future of leadership is. People acknowledge someone that says, "I messed up, and I'm so sorry, mm. and I'm really intending to to do it better next time." If you go back, do you remember uh, just recently the Pope? Pulled, he pulled his hand away from that lady yeah. uh, during the, the the process, and he must have done. I think he, he'd done several hundred of these across the day, and he just came straight out. Pope Francis came straight out and said, "I did it. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was really tired and wrung out." And an article came out that said, "You know, there is a model for what a leader does." when they do something wrong and they need to rebuild trust with people. Mm. So there's a couple of questions that have come in online while we've been having this chat, Ro, and I'm, I'm mindful of our time. We're going to kind of bring this into land in a moment, but there's a couple of um, interesting questions. The first one was was from Mel, and he's asked the question um, about which comes first. Is it about clarity or is it about trust? And the second question is about um, for people who are maybe, hi- uh, this one comes from Joe, people who have highly um, vigilant personalities that find it hard to trust others, what would you advise some of those people to? It's almost the flip side of this conversation about um, what do you do when you find it hard to trust? 
Um, so mm. two, a couple of those questions. Want to weigh in on any of those? <laughs> well, for a start, they're excellent questions. Yeah. And so, so let me let me start with the first one: um, clarity or trust? Because I'm going to make up in my own mind what I think uh, Mel means by clarity. I would actually say it depends. Mm. And this is what I think. This is what I think the artful leader does in these situations, Shane. You need to be able to go into the environment or you need to be able to read the room in, in a sense and say and just literally ask the people that know what's going on what they most need right now. Yeah. What do you need most right now? And typically when you – because my history has actually been going into broken environments and restoring trust, but this included, you know, this included actually letting a whole lot of staff go very early on, but then communicating the why behind that, showing people the numbers and doing all sorts of things around it. So typically the answer is both at the same time. Mm. You're, you're constantly, if you imagine the, the railway line, you've got a, a, a sense of clarity. This is what we're about. This is who we are. This is where we're going. But you're getting feedback on that all the time as well. Mm. And then secondarily, you're actually being consistent with that, you're actually doing what you said you would do. Um, and when people see that you're prepared to do that as a leader, but you're equally prepared to listen and adapt and adjust and con con continue to move forward, mm. I'd actually add a third there. Um, I actually think, uh, and this gets us to the to the second question, the third one is what level of responsibility and accountability are we all prepared to take for this to succeed? Mm. So, yeah, let's be clear about who we are and where we're going. Yes, let's act in a way that is consistent and trustable. But then to what degree are we all prepared to be accountable to that? Mm. Um, and I think I think if you drop down to the second question, um, again, I, I would answer the question with a question. What have you been able to be uh, intentional and explicit about a person's pathology of trust? Mm. I, you know, because some people say, oh, look, I'm not a very trusting person. Well, I would be wanting to explore that. Yeah. And I'd be wanting to explore that because this isn't going to work if you don't trust. Yeah. Not not just me, but anybody. Now, there's a difference between being forensic and having high standards and expecting people to do the maths right so the bridge works, okay? I, I, I want to trust the engineer that builds the bridge um, to, to, to get that right. Uh, there's a difference between having that as a, as a BAU expectation v versus saying, hang on a minute, um, are we talking about something that's completely not related to work life? Mm. You're just you're actually just a person that won't trust or won't be vulnerable or won't give of yourself. If that's true, we're actually going to run into challenges significantly quicker. I'll say two things I think that might be useful and then hand back to you to land. Yep. I think one of the jobs as a leader, and I talk about this in the book, is to make trust anti-fragile yeah and what i say there is i say trust is vulnerable but it doesn't have to be weak yeah it's vulnerable to, but doesn't have to be it needs to be anti-fragile and by that i mean is wherever it goes off track let's learn the lessons that we need to learn to bring it back and actually make it stronger and deeper 
Yeah. And if we all commit to that, that's really important. And the one practical takeaway that I know to do that is to talk to people and not about. Yeah. My friend, my friend Darren Hill says, um, first person, first time. My colleagues at Giant Worldwide say, go to the source. I say, talk to, not about. If you just do that, I think you will double the trust experience in your team and your leadership and your work environment in about 30 days. Yeah, that's so, really practical and helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously lots to talk about. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, we know. could talk about trust all day in this conversation. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I love your frame of reference for trust. I think it's a really practical way to talk about it. The, the consistent alignment of intent, behavior and message, what, where we're coming from, what we say and what we do. Um, absolutely really helpful. Um, so huge. Thank you, Rowan. Thanks so much for giving some of your time and a huge thank you to everyone that's been joining us. I do want to say, Pleasure the, for me. I do want to say the end, uh, congratulations. I know that your um, four leaders, global podcast that went out live this week with Mike Hardy uh, went to number 18 on the global business chart. So big congratulations yeah, yeah. on that. Um, yeah, I, we, were, we were stoked. It uh, surpassed our expectations. Yeah, I, I listened to the episode with Tim Costello yesterday and was absolutely fantastic. You, you guys are great at asking really um, good questions of great people and that's kind of what this has been about as well. So huge thank you to Rowan, huge thank you to everyone for viewing and uh, we'll talk to you soon. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.